Winter Storm Diego still trouble in the south. Snowstorms out of west this week. Christmas comes early for most freight brokers in 2018. XBO shares stage steep drop as company's 2019 earnings growth may fall under analyst estimates. And transport and trade leaders react angrily to latest Brexit delay. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss all these issues and more on this week's episode of What the Truck. Hey, JP, what you drinking? Um, I'll give you one guess. Bell's too hard, and this time it's in a 16-ounce container that your that your uh, your convoy yes. sleeve can barely, barely contain. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 still cold though. It's it's cold enough. It's uh, <laughs> even though today even though today was uh, you nice. Just opened it. So, true, I mean, true. Yeah. And what have you got there, Chad? Oh, um, thanks for asking. Um, I uh, have a Sierra Nevada Hop Bullet. It's a double IPA. Um, and, you know, I don't know all the hops a, that are in A here. double IPA. Is that, is that, like, pretty bitter? That, what are the IBUs on them? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I know the ABV. But you can't, you can't like, taste it and kind of estimate? Um, there, it's high. I would say it's 65 IBUs would be my guess. <laughs> Interesting. But I have no idea. Uh, okay. Exactly. Um, I, you know, I'm feeling there's definitely some mosaics in here. Here's one thing. You know, like IPAs, JP, didn't even, like, come into vogue again until, like, like about 20 years ago, maybe. 20 years ago? Yeah, just 20. Like, we act like they're, like, always... It, it, they, they Nobody really talked or knew about IPAs in, in the 1990s. This is, like, a turn of the... Tw- so, like, IPAs, they, 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 I mean... Anyway, they're a brand of beer. They're a kind of beer that right. coming from the hot, and, and 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 we've developed a taste for them. My point, though, that I'm going for is that I feel like breweries are getting better at like figuring out the hop kind of blend or the hop constituency mm, that goes because well. I've got some bitterness here I've got some tropical stuff but it's also a clean finish I mean mm. it's um, um, it doesn't doesn't um, leave you with that like sour like bitter mouthfeel at the nothing end nothing sour is bad I'm kind of burned out on sour right now and that's why I'm feeling kind of like going doubling down on my IPA <laughs> nice cool <laughs> thanks man alright dude um, hey man great to be here with you let's get um, into it in, um, um, mid-December Yes. Um, the, it, the, the, bleak, the bleak midwinter. Um, it's been an interesting year. And, um, you know, this week's headlines are, you know, kind of a little a little scattered, a little... I mean, first of all, one of the, um, one of the things I think, you know, during this time of year, um, it, you know, weather becomes... Winter weather. <laughs> becomes a story, a headline. Snow. Lots of snow and wind. <laughs> and so, freezing, some, some, some freezing rain. Um, you name it. Yeah, it's just you know, inclement weather. I think today, like when I was, so we sent out this daily watch email to uh, Sonar users, and it has always has like an update from the weather. Right. Uh, Nick Austin writes a section, and I edit it each morning. <clears throat> yeah. You know, just for whatever style and stuff. And today he was like, "Yeah, you know, um, there could be uh, troubles for travel in the." Northwest, the Southwest, the Midwest, the Northeast, and the South. I was like, dude, so you're saying like the weather everywhere. is pretty much bad everywhere. But, yeah. you know, we can talk about this really significant uh, winter storm, a named storm, uh, Diego, that sort of 
arced across. I don't know why. why I, you know, Diego's confused every time I see the Diego, and I'm feeling Storm Diego, and I'm thinking San Diego, but it has nothing to do with San Diego. It's way over here in the south, the southeast. It covered a, a big swath. Yeah, it kind of Carolina, it kind of ripped. Well, it kind of ripped through Into actually the like uh, Oklahoma, Started Arkansas. There. A little bit of Tennessee, kind of Kentucky went through. You know, it snowed in Knoxville, but it didn't snow in Chattanooga, where we are. Right. We just had um, an earthquake. Yeah. But that's unrelated. Yeah. It was a, yeah. Right. It was a 4.4, and it apparently woke up our uh, chief technology officer, although I slept through it. Uh, um, yeah. And by the, by the way, the earthquake, I mean, it happened on a plateau on this uh, along the Appalachian Corridor. I, I don't know the exact term of the geologic construction, but... Um, it's one of the most like stable. Should have been. Should have been. Yeah. In, in the world, uh, according to some right. geologists. Maybe maybe the world's coming to an end. But anyway. Yeah, anyway. Anyway. Uh, uh, one. The, yeah. The most recent sign of the apocalypse was oh. that Charlotte got hit with like three inches of snow, and I think the previous record at the Charlotte International Airport for snow was like half it, on 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 this day. It was like half an inch. Wow. So it was an extraordinarily disruptive storm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, if you're if you're listening from Chicago, three inches is nothing to you. If you're <laughs> oh, listening yeah. to us from from you know L.A., you know three inches of rain is probably horrible for you. But um, for us, three inches of snow in the southeast is really extreme. You know, there's no there's no salt. There's no plows. Um, it got they got locked into this weird pattern of sort of melting during the day, refreezing at night, um, which made the roads really dangerous, kind of off yeah. and on in this kind of unpredictable way. And um, it was, you know, it wasn't good. Uh, Hundreds of thousands uh, on the freeways have been uh, disruptive, <laughs> disrupted. Um, it's been um, a dangerous system. There have been uh, deaths related to this. Yeah, storm. there was deaths. Um, there was a trucker who got stuck in the snow, was trying to shovel his way out. And, you know, as yeah. people up north probably know, like, it's, you can actually overwork yourself pretty badly um, by shoveling snow. It's 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 highly aerobic, but you're also cold, and so you don't realize what you're doing. How you know, hard your heart is working. working. Exactly. And this guy ended up having a heart attack uh, and dying. Um, there were other... Um, there were other yeah, someone got hit by a tree. Um, you know, some people's power got cut off. You know, in the, in the upper elevations in western North Carolina, uh, up in the mountains, obviously the snowfall was much more extreme. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I think the takeaway here is like we're sorry. You know, we we see how vulnerable some of our transportation infrastructure is. We're, we see these quickly developing patterns of winter weather that are happening kind of in unexpected places, and I don't know. You know, I'm not a meteorologist. I don't know like what that means for like the winter outlook, but I mean, it, it seems like we're getting a lot of bad weather in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're not meteorologists, but we certainly work with uh, a dynamic one. It's fun uh, to hear Nick Austin's coverage. And, uh, uh, you know, it's been a dangerous time out there, so stay safe on the roads. Um, you never know what you may be coming across um, yeah and pay just pay attention pay attention to freightwaves.com we, we now have pretty much like daily weather coverage and like 
there's a lot of bad situations you can get yourself into. I remember like one thing I was editing that Nick Austin wrote, he was talking about like <laughs> in Montana, it was like literally like 12 inches of snow were projected to fall that day with wind gusts of up to 80 miles an hour. Right. And he was like, it could be risky to like drive through this area. I was like, how about just tell the people not to do that? Like right. it's not don't. It's risky. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah. those, those kinds of systems and problems are going to keep popping up over the next few months. Um, and you know, we'll try to keep you updated and keep you as safe as best we can. Sometimes, um, you know, the, the, the shipping must go through, though, and you have to do the best you can. Um, and, you know, we have a, a varied set of headlines this week. Um, like, another one is um, you've done a lot of coverage of brokers. You've done kind of almost like a series of sorts of, of covering um, brokerages and, and just getting right up in there and just being able to talk to a number of them for each um, given article. And... You, you, you had um, an interesting one that came out today, um, just about, you know, Christmas coming early for, for most freight brokers in, in 2018. One of the things that you, you, you saw um, in, in terms of talking to some and just looking at our sonar data is that in 2018, there have been high volumes and plentiful capacity. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about this and, like, what, you know, the people um, at... at, at um, uh, coyote, uh, 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 so convoy? yeah, we convoy. talked to convoy transfix axle logistics in Knoxville and also and talked to a network. broker at network transport in Chattanooga. Yeah. And what did they tell you? It was interesting. I mean, I think the overall, you know, from, so, you know, our, the way we started building this article was we were looking at sonar data right. and we noticed that. If you look at the the major freight markets in the country, places like you know Chicago, Joliet, or Harrisburg, Allentown, or you know L.A. Long Beach, or you know L.A. Ontario, or Dallas and Atlanta, like all of those markets are the the volumes are up year over year compared to last December. Yeah, but the volatility is not. Even though twenty seventeen was still a good year. Twenty seventeen was a fantastic year. Um, it was also a crazy volatile year, meaning that right. there are a lot of tender rejections, a lot of capacity issues, a lot of, you know, really wild price action in the spot market. Gotcha. Um, we haven't really seen that this year, even though there've been really healthy volumes. And so I kind of wanted to call all these different brokers and see like, well, what does that mean for you guys? Like, first of all, like, can you confirm kind of what we're seeing and how does that feel to you? Like, is it good for you? Is it about, you know, yeah. And it turns out... It's somewhat surprising. Yeah, it is surprising. And, it, you know, there's a lot of, you know, w- you know, trucking companies, uh, you know, raised wages, have done different things. You know, they're all, you know, kind of try- throwing the kitchen sink at the driver shortage, you know, trying to figure out how to solve it. Right. You know, you, you talked to Doug Wagner, the CEO of Echo Global Logistics. Well, I did want to ask you about that. Yeah, you go to, ahead. Well, so what, to me, one of the things that is surprising about <clears throat> what you've, you've discovered is it's not so much that um, there there is, uh, you know, been high demand, um, you know, and lots of volume, but, but it's that the, the capacity is has also remained high. Yeah, it's, man, it's managing it. 
Yeah. And 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 in talking to Doug Wagner, the CEO of of Echo Logistics, a couple of weeks ago, he said that he had this thesis. Like he 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 said that well, all the major carriers are telling us that they're not adding any capacity at all because that would be you know that would be risky and for mm-hmm. all of the, the 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 very reasonable reasons. He said, nevertheless, it seems to, he said he, he said, but I've got some anecdotal evidence from talking to you know, just a few, you know, owner operators and, and, you know, small, you know, right. Small carriers, very, very small, like 20, that, 20 that, trucks. Yeah. But under. maybe some guy has like increased <clears throat> from six to 11 or six to 10. Yeah. And, and so they, but I think they're still conducting this study right now. They were going to conduct a study of like 600 of these small, smaller carriers. Uh, carriers. Yeah. Uh, and, and and see what the results are, and we're looking forward to seeing that. But I think that therein may lie one of the insights to how, with all this demand, you know, old capacities kind of, you know, like, like yeah, 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 strong. But what does that mean for the broker? Well, and, is- and I'll tell you one other aspect of this thesis that I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, C, I was talking to the CEO of Transfix which is a uh, venture-funded brokerage in, in New York City. Talking, right, talking right, to right. Drew McElroy. Yes, yeah. um, you remember, we, we actually had Marissa Ash from, exactly. from Transfix on, on the podcast earlier. From but he was saying that its capacity has also been increased by the, the um, in more intensive use of technology to eliminate deadhead miles. So trucks are driving fewer mm-hmm. miles empty. Mm-hmm. They're getting, they're driving more miles with some kind of yeah. cargo. The mass, the load matching is becoming more efficient, and that's also has the effect of adding capacity. But in general, it's I'll, technology that we've been covering all year actually making things more efficient. Yeah, right? and, and loosening things up for brokers and for shippers, and so. And by the way, this isn't taking away anybody's jobs. No, right? no, no. Like, I mean, this is a kind of an automation or artificial intelligence. Right, we're seeing, we're seeing. Trucking employment growing incrementally, even as things get automated, and you know, yeah. with but but I think the overall thesis is yeah. essentially that there's a lot of freight out there for brokers to handle. It's been a good year, and there's a lot of trucks out there for them to tap into, and so they're getting a lot of business, and they haven't had to pay a premium for capacity. Unlike last year. So what, what did you mean by the headline that Christmas um, came early? It means that they're making a lot of money right oh, now. Just, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means it means that it means that there's a lot of freight that they're getting, you know, to handle, and it's easy for them to find trucks. And so they're turning it over really quickly, yeah. making pretty decent margins. Um, I think actually, it's. I mean, I, I talked I think, to a manager yeah. at Convoy, uh, Stu Shannon, and his one of his quotes was. There's plenty of action, but no one's overextended. Oh, right. We're, we're not, they're able to play defense, protect their margins, be choosy about the kind of freight they want to move, and make sure that they make a decent amount of money. He kind of said that like the six months of chaos at the end of the last six months of 2017 kind of forced brokers right. to like look inward <laughs> and be like, what are we actually good at? Where are we good at doing it? And where do we want to play in this market now? And they've become a little bit more mature and strategic is kind of, or those are the words that he used. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think that 2017 uh, ended really strong, according to our sonar data. 
Both 2017 and, and 2018 are far better than 2015 and 2016. Oh, oh, m- so, much much more. But the, the trouble with 2017 was the volatility. So the problem is that yeah. the spot... Yeah, the spot lower overall, much lower. Yeah, yeah, the volumes, the volumes, the volumes were, but the prices yeah. got crazy. And that's what hurt the brokers. Because they, I you know, see. if you're a broker, you're trying to sell capacity... Yes. you know to a shipper and then buy you're trying to sell high and buy low right but what ha- what happens in a really volatile market is you sell it you think that you sold high but then when you go to look for a truck the price is going up on you and outrunning you and you end up taking losses and yeah. so they're yeah. saying that they're saying that when it's a it's stable but high volume that's good for them because they can they can turn things over really quickly cover lots of loads and you know, kind of have a predictable business. Well, speaking of volatility, um, XBO um, shares. I mean, XBO is a pretty, pretty large carrier. Uh, yeah. To the tune of what, fifteen billion? Uh, yeah, it's fifteen five. Yeah, so, so, I, I can't remember exactly what the number. Is. I think maybe it's it, it's a multi billion dollar revenue company. <laughs> um, and their shares um, this this week. Now, this is maybe if there's a real big headline of the week other than the Brexit, this is pretty big news. Uh, uh, yeah, their shares dropped dramatically. Um, as our, um, our one of our managing editors, um, our managing editor of market markets, Mark Solomon, covered um, their earnings fell um, dramatically. And uh, so, yeah. Well, they they're t- okay. So. Here, here, here's the, the, the here's two numbers that we need to contextualize, and there's two theories sure. about how to contextualize these numbers. First of all, XPO stock. This is, we're, we're we're talking on Thursday here, yeah, today. Yeah, we're recording Thursday. XPO stock dropped thirty percent today. Okay, um, that's the first number. The second number is that they're down about sixty four percent off of their September highs. So there's two theories as to why this is. Yeah, and I, and I was. And you, and you, was, and you can give Mark Solomon's theory. Yeah. Well, what, what, um, one is that um, you know, first of all, I think to also contextualize from uh, 2012 through 2018, the price of XPO shares rose eightfold, roughly. Right, right, right. Um, which is you know kind of I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it's a remarkable gain. For a for a trans transport and logistics firm in such a short span, but like basically some of um, Solomon's theories were that you know he said some analysts chalked up the price decline to um, investor impatience over XPO not having doing more M and A's. Um, I mean, which yeah, is a game yeah. that they played a lot through twenty eleven from twenty eleven to twenty sixteen, really sixteen year yeah. or so, um, where they I think. Um, they acquired 17 mm-hmm. um, companies. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know that he landed on some specific thing. So, it, I mean, you, you saw a short seller article. Oh, well, yeah. Um, so the, basically what they did was they gave uh, sort of softer than expected guidance for next year. They kind of were saying that, you know, earnings might grow 12-ish percent instead of an expected 14 and a half, 15 percent. So the, so like Solomon was kind of saying like maybe that's the reason for the sell-off, but there's also this really you know bearish, actually pretty savage short seller report that came out. Um, oh yeah, 
Yeah. That was essentially saying that... Undermining the credibility of the very people... Yeah, it was talking about some of the shady people around Brad Jacobs that were involved in, you know, waste management, his, his, you know, a previous company in United Rentals, some people that had ended up going to prison um, over accounting issues. But I think the real, the real meat of... I think that was, you know, just kind of a bit of shit talking. I think the real meat of the criticism is that XPO uh, grew very quickly um, with this acquisition spree that may be problematic because it leaves the company highly leveraged at the end of an economic expansion cycle. They aren't generating a ton of... They're not continuing to do the no, but they still have a bunch of you know debt from you know from them. Right? Yeah, but I mean, like, if you don't continue to like, it's something. Like, anyway, that's one of the theories why. And they're not generating that much free cash flow in what should be a very favorable environment for anyone moving freight. And so, yeah. what happens to them when the market turns? What happens when all of a sudden there's less demand for their services? Then you know, what? What does their balance sheet look like? So I think that was kind of what. They were saying, um, it's really interesting. It's, In spite it, of <clears throat> all of that, I'm, I'm going to have to say that, like, with, you know, my limited financial sort of, you know, knowledge and structural kind of, it, it may be a good time to buy back in. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, like, are they really worth that little? Is it just kind of a psychological bad news type of thing? Um, yeah, that's right. interesting. I mean, I think I think maybe part of the uh, you know, the bull run in that stock was probably psychological. They they kind of had yeah. you know Brad Jacobs is one of the most admired CEOs in in the United States. Um, I think XPO enjoyed fairly uniformly positive coverage from the business media um, for the past several years. So. You know, it's really? almost like they can do no wrong. They're going to b- keep growing and growing so fast, oh, and blah blah blah. Some, you know, some bad <clears throat> headlines since then. Yeah, yeah. With la- with labor week. issues, with the um, the women who were you know allegedly you know yeah, mistreated and had you know miscarriages. Um, you know the, the 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 port operators that they hired or that they that they bought that were you know, fairly abusive in, the, in their labor practices. So, I mean, there, there's been some bad headlines, but I think like, at, at, you know, it was almost like Brad Jacobs was like Teflon Don at first. Nothing was sticking. But I think now maybe some of the aura is dissipating and maybe they might get started. Maybe they might be treated like a, like a regular LTL carrier now. And, and, well, and you know, valuations might fall back to earth and we can kind of, It'll be interesting to see where this goes and where the the conversation, both on Wall Street and in the media, um, kind of where that takes us. Well, it certainly is an anomaly um, on the you know radar screen of things happening. You know. Yeah. Company, oh yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, fascinating. I mean, anytime a company drops thirty percent a day, it's just like whoa. Well, one of the things too, uh, JP, that we've been, <clears throat> excuse me, seeing uh, this week uh, is you know, there's been a lot of dramatic coverage, and I know it's across the pond, but there's been a, a, a lot of dramatic oh, coverage yes. about the, uh, the, 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 the Brexit. Yes, yes. 
Are you a Brexiteer, JP? Uh, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to get personal. Right yeah, now. I mean, uh, no, but just uh, I, yeah, guess, I guess I, I guess I was my my yeah, ancestors really? my, my ancestors left ex- uh, <laughs> Essex, England, in the 1630s. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, really? Yeah, you know that far I right? guess we uh, we exited pretty early. <laughs> I would say so. Um, I don't think mine uh, came across for uh, over 200 years, 250 years um, since that. Wow, you all, you all, you were early adopters of the American dream. Um, well, uh, so, so anyway, uh, up to now, uh, this very week, uh, a couple of days ago, there was this like no confidence vote about Theresa May's leadership, and apparently that no was confidence. A lot of <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing that. Sound and fury signifying nothing. Um, because uh, she's still there, and they're still talking about how they're going to exit from, uh, you know, the, the the UK. How they're going to exit from? Yeah, it ended the, up, the, the vote of no confidence ended up being a vote of kind of meh confidence. Like she won <laughs> well, the vote, and, and but like so much hysteria. It looked like she was really didn't have the votes. She needed 150 <laughs> more or something, and somehow that all came through. Yeah. Because in, in her argument, she was simply going to just remain there and be steady and just make the argument that there is no way that you guys can change. Replace me and then guys. renegotiate. You know, by, by the way, she's surrounded by guys. We should probably be sad. <clears throat> okay. Um, but after that, much ado about nothing. Um, That's your second uh, Shakespeare quote. In the... No, it was the same one, twice. No, you said much ado about nothing, and then you said, before you said, uh, sound and fury signify oh, wow. nothing, which is that's, that's that's Macbeth great. and much ado. Well, how appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for pointing that out, I think. Um, but she, so th- I think how we look at this from a phrase yeah, perspective. Yeah, so there's um, really. There's a lot of turmoil. Yeah, so. There's businesses in general. There's freight. There's where a warehouse crisis. Yeah, I don't want to go back. And I don't think we should go back to the politics of the original referendum. No. I think that's kind of old hat at this point. But really, what's at the table is, you know, Theresa May proposed a deal with the EU for for Brexit, which would, I mean, you know, it's it's fairly complicated. She's proposing something, and it's, though, it's, for it's, what it's worth, more moderated. Yeah, some in her party. <clears throat> Yeah, it's sort of, I mean, it amounts to like a soft Brexit in a way. Is what she's purporting to do. Right. And, but the hardline Brexiteers in the Conservative Party right. want kind of a no-deal Brexit. And the, the issue with Theresa May is that, you know, she created this plan to kind of try to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, right, of, of Brexit. But... It's kind of amorphous. It's kind of vague. It may not be that uh, feasible. And therefore, it's been attacked by all sides, even though it's probably the sensible thing to do, given the situation. It's kind of leaving her in a vulnerable situation. You know, she's kind of she's surrounded, you know what I mean, in a way. Um, So that's that's kind of her personal political problem within her party. Um, Obviously, the hardline Brexiteers want a no deal exit, which would be this which would be the sharpest, and that would pose the greatest uh, threat to the supply chain. And um, that is what, according to our coverage today... Yeah, so um, one of our new... Yeah, one of our new writers um, who's, you know, a, um, a Londoner, 
uh, Nick Savides. He's based in London. He's been covering this he's, really well yeah, for us. And he, yes, he has. And, his, his coverage, this is what we're relying well, on this week. One of the main issues, and I think we've actually seen, that we've talked a little bit about this w- with regard to the China-U.S. tariffs. But essentially, when you have some kind of disruption to the movement of goods, when that, when that gets uh, hindered or slowed down, for yeah. example, if... If if uh, the UK introduce you know if they leave the EU and then all of a sudden all of these customs things have to be taken care of and the movement of goods slows down and there there's tariffs and import duties and blah 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 like if the movement slows down then you have to have more storage on either side right. and Nick Savides has been really um, good and actually like at a granular level talking about what the actual warehouse capacities issues are. In, in Great Britain right now. I mean, you know, people, mm-hmm. you know, out in the country don't want Amazon warehouses being built. Um, they, the, the places where it's okay to build the warehouses, no one actually lives there. And so they've had to bus workers in. And so they, they have a, they have a fairly acute uh, shortage of warehouse capacity. And, you know, with the, this, this sort of next phase of Brexit uncertainty, you know, shippers are trying to move stuff into onto the islands, but I mean, you know, like there's no real, real place to like put all this stuff. Yeah, I would say that of all the coverage in terms of a freight perspective for our audience, um, uh, that Nick Savides has covered. It's today's article: what it means freight leaders plan for no deal on Brexit. Yeah, and that's that's it is granular, and that's going but to be in a good way. Yeah, there's some really interesting stuff if you're. If you you know are fascinated by the sort of the politics of Brexit, the business implications, um, and you know, and sometimes I wonder if um, like are we a mirror to the UK, or is the UK a mirror to us, or or, or is that are we reflecting each other? Like no, like, well, it, I think it's it, the it, same. I mean, I think like it seems like the same sort of populist impulses saying like okay, like. We're, we've given up too much of our sovereignty. We're we're being taken advantage of. Like we're the laughing stock of whatever. Like we need to like you know blow up all these deals. We need to like strike out on our own and make yeah. them pay. Good like, nationalist. Like, yeah. Like I, I, it. I, and obviously, obviously, the way that Trump was tweeting about um, you know Brexit, he clearly kind of in his gut felt that it was part of the same political moment, you know, like, like his, his election and the, the Brexit referendum. So I do feel like they're connected. Um, and I wonder, you know, what kind of disruptive, you know, for example, disruptive pull forward in freight that they're going to see once the Brexit timeline, you know, once, once it becomes clear, if it ever does, what what the Brexit framework is actually going to look like, and will it be more impactful? I mean, will it will it like will it actually help the U.S. or or you know because they'll rely on us more, or or not? I, I know it's more complicated than that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like 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 if w- w- does the bilateral relationship between the U.K. and the U.S. look different if they're not? as integrated into the continent as they used to be. We don't talk about it a lot, but, um, you know, we talk a lot about China, but that's our, that's on the other side of the pond. Yeah. No, no, that's interesting. And it may become more important, you know, and we'll obviously, um, be looking into it. 
well, okay, JP. Uh, I think it's that time of the week where we play Big Deal, Little Deal. What's the deal with you, Dill Pickle? Oh, man. Um, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> well, fasten in. And here we go. Keep trucking ads, key leaders updates, IFTA reporting big deal or little deal. I think it's a big deal. If you read the article by Brian Strait and actually click on the LinkedIn profiles of the people, you'll see that they're pretty high-ranking Google alumni. Big deal. Cohen joins chorus of trucking bears, but says 3PLs are safe. Big deal or little deal? It's a little deal. It's another voice. Um, You know, I think that... uh, Three PLs are kind of always safe. Australian watchdog sues port operator over crippling covenants. Big deal or little deal? I think it's a little deal. It's sort of this weird um, anti-competitive lawsuit between two Australian ports. The ground is sinking beneath the feet of on-demand writing startups. Big deal or little deal? It's big. It's a big deal. You know. It, We've seen a, we've seen a bunch of bubbles. We've seen a crypto bubble. We've seen a pot bubble. Are, are the e ride or you know the, the electric scooters a bubble too? Amazon's Fort Worth regional air hub may bring other modal assets into play. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. It's a major step for a major company building out its air distribution network. Freight rates on the Rhine subside as water levels finally rise. Big deal or little deal? Water is rising, capacity increasing, rates falling, but it may not last. Trucking rates continue to climb as carriers retain pricing power. Big deal or little deal? Little deal. The inflationary rate increases aren't going to hit the highs we saw in July, but carriers do retain some pricing power. It's getting heavy at USPS, and that may not be good. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. Weights themselves may not be the you know big, that big of a deal with the USPS report, but the massive volume of e-commerce that USPS handles is... We yeah! Whoa! And we're on a roll. Layla says one fifty point nine seven. Is that three in a row? I don't know who's keeping. Oh, score, she, yeah. Layla says yes, three in a row. After a rough beginning, Whoa, we're back on track, and it's great to be here with you guys. It feels, you know, what feels great? Three peats. Three peats <laughs> in big deal, little deal. I don't know how many chains we've had before, <laughs> but. Um, Wow, you know, dude. Well, you, you want to say enough uh, in the short amount of time? I just want to thank my mom and dad. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> if we get four, maybe. Um, all right. Well, hey, man, some good analysis from you today, and great to be here with you as always. You too, and we will catch you guys next week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What the Truck.